disputes. Um, and that's really based on whether you believe there is a low, intermediate or high risk of coronary artery disease. And secondly, whether the patient has had a previous MI. So the first thing is, if you think there's a low uh, risk or uh, and there's no history of uh, coronary artery disease, um, then a CT coronary angiogram would be the recommended first line investigation as a good rule out test for coronary artery disease. Um, and the usefulness of this test is it's highly sensitive, uh, but less specific. Um, so it's less useful, uh, firstly, if, if we know that there's a history of coronary artery disease, because um, it is it's more likely to uh, show things up uh, and then further investigations would be needed to characterize that. Um, and so, uh, it would be less useful in that circumstance. If the patient's in AF, um, just one thing to note, it's harder to gate the scan. So that would be something that, uh, again, you may choose against doing a CT coronary angiogram uh, if they are in AF. Um, and if they have a known high calcium score, so they've had previous imaging, uh, this will actually uh, give more artifact. Um, now, if there is a history of coronary artery disease, um, and you don't think they're low risk, they're more intermediate risk, and it's not really a a clear-cut shut case of them having a very high risk, and you can consider a functional test. And there are various functional tests that are uh, recommended by the ESC and NICE. Uh, they include a stress uh, ECG. Uh, and one thing to note with the stress ECG is uh, you may not use that if they have an abnormal resting ECG, um, as that would uh, affect uh, changes seen um, when doing the test. Uh, a stress echocardiogram, um, and that can include pharmacological or exercise stress, a myocardial perfusion scan, so a nuclear medicine scan, a stress cardiac MRI, and fractional flow reserve CT. And uh, there's a lot of uh, potential options, uh, and the choice of test is really uh, based on a number of factors. So number one, uh, it always has to be patient-focused. Uh, Logistically, it's often based on local availability and wait times. Um, and also one considers cost as well um, when, when making the decision. Um, and finally, if they're a very high risk patient, um, uh, one might discuss with their consultant about uh, performing uh, directly an invasive coronary angiogram uh, because the probability of them having uh, coronary disease is so high. Valerie, anything to add to that? Uh, no, I think that's that's really good, actually. I think the um, the key factors when you're investigating, I think the a little bit about the history behind this is that <coughs> the car cardiologists used to use um, pretest probability. And as you said, go for a CTCA if there's a low pretest probability uh, and look at functional tests if you have an intermediate to high pretest probability and an angiogram if you have a very high pretest probability, i.e. you're fairly convinced this patient's got angina. Um, NICE have come through and said actually first line for everyone is a CTCA um, and that's NICE recommended uh, but cardiologists obviously if you have a if you have a 75 year old lady with diabetes they're likely to have a lot of calcium in their coronary arteries already so a CTCA probably isn't a fantastic test uh, a disc fantastic discriminatory test for this kind of patient because it will just show up lots of calcium and it won't be able to rule out coronary artery disease at which, which point the patient will come back to you with an indeterminate test, just saying lots of calcium, and then you have to go for another test, which you, if you're using ESC guidelines, you would have done in the first place. So I think it's really important to have a an idea of the background here to what tests can be used in stable angina and which ones to use where. So I think 
as you said, low risk CTTA. Very good, good rule out test. Um, I think the next things to appreciate, uh, just a few little bits and bobs like uh, each of the tests here. I think a treadmill ECG, so for patients can, can run, it's a very uh, quick test and very low risk test and very cheap. So I think those are the positives about that one. The, uh, or exercise echocardiogram, which I think is, if you can get someone to physiologically exercise rather than having to pharmacologically stress their heart out, I think that's the, uh, the best the, the best option. So an exercise echo is uh, a very good option to look for uh, induced bit of ischemia. And then after that, you know, a dobutamine stress echo is very, very reasonable. Um, I think stress MRI is useful, but the caveat to that is if a patient's got a pacemaker, for example, you get a lot of artifact. Uh, and I like your point about AF, um, for patients who are in cardiac CTs, their heart rate needs to be ideally uh, sinus and less than 60. So they need to take beta blockers prior to the uh, CTCA. So if they've got very brittle asthma, uh, they won't be able to have a CTCA. And then finally, the myocardial perfusion scan, the real cohort of patients that I kind of leave that scan for are those patients that have got AF and have a pacemaker because a, uh, AF makes it sometimes like difficult to look for uh, to do to the dobutamine uh, stress echo because of the length of time between the beats. Um, and if they've got a pacemaker, the artifact can uh, influence the ability to get good MRI images. So those are the patients I would use for myocardial perfusion scans. Um, so yeah, I think just having a few bits of knowledge about each test is worthwhile, but a very nice early functional test is the exercise ECG, if they've got a normal resting ECG. Um, and again, if you just bring one or two of these tidbits out in your, into your answer, I think it shows that you've got a far higher knowledge of these tests than just on just basically MRCP, MRCP syllabus. So that's a really worthwhile thing to do that will point you to a five out of five answer. Okay, great. Um, so finally, management uh, of stable angina. Um, Ooh, actually, sorry, I just want to mention one more thing. I think if you're, uh, by the time you're ordering tests for a patient uh, that are potentially invasive, uh, this is a this is the point in which I'd probably say in your interview. So I would make, my recommendation would be this, and I would, you know, run that past my consultant, CP had any other thoughts. I think that's the point in which you can, especially before you're doing an invasive angiogram. Mm. Agreed, agreed. Um, thanks, Barry.